This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Hey, welcome to Travel Is Your Business. Uh, today we got a great show up for you. Our guest is none other than Matthew Lerner. He is the CEO and founder of Metro Butler, which is a uh, full-service concierge and property manager for the Airbnb and home sharing economy. So what exactly does that mean? Um, not terribly sure, but uh, he's going to share because our episode starts right now. Hey, my name is Matt Lerner. I'm the CEO of Metro Butler. And what I love about travel is sitting down in a restaurant and eating something that I've never, ever tasted before. From New York City, this is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. With technology thought leader and community builder, Pavan Ball, John Matson, digital director at Voyager HQ, and Samantha Shankman, reporter and producer. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm one of your hosts, Pavan Ball, and of course, joining me today is one of my co-hosts, Samantha Shankman. Hey, everyone. And John Matson. Hi there. And let's say hello to our guest today, none other than Matthew Lerner, the CEO and founder of Metro Butler. What's going on, man? Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate you coming out. I'm happy to. Thank you for having me. Let's get into finding out exactly who you are. So we're going to start with this. Let's give the audience kind of um, like a overhead itinerary of who you are and what you do. Sure. So uh, you, you kind of gave the tee off already, but I'm the CEO and founder of Metro Butler. Uh, if you think of Airbnb as the world's largest hotel, Metro Butler is the front desk, concierge, cleaning service all rolled into one. So we do everything from list the properties, take the pictures, do the key exchanges, have it cleaned, uh, and check the guests in and out. Okay, good deal. I'll, I'll tee it off then um, in terms of – so I'm, I'm curious. So when you say concierge and you say room service, cleaning, what does that actually mean? How does it operationally work? Sure. So our uh, hosts come to us and say, I'd love to list my property on Airbnb, but I don't have the time and I don't have the know-how and I can't log in and out. Um, I don't know what to price it at. Uh, can you handle it for me? And then we take over the property. We do absolutely everything that's related to the rental of the home um, and the service of the guests. And then our service, we charge a 25% fee of the bookings that we actually get for them. So if we can't land a booking, we don't charge anything. There's no monthly carrying charges. There's no you know, cancellation fees if we can't book for them. So from my end, if I have a property that's available and I want to make use of it in that capacity... I don't have to do absolutely anything. I give it to you. You're actually listing on Airbnb. You're taking the pictures. You're doing all that stuff. That's right. So you'd have a dashboard that we create for you. And mm -hmm. all you need to do is log in and select the dates that you're going to be traveling. And that's where your job starts and ends. What type of expectations are you giving these homeowners? So we don't give guarantees because obviously every single property is going to be different. And every single month, you know, for travel is going to be different. Um, you know, we do tell them, you know, the average pricing of homes in their area. We tell them, you know, the typical rates for certain size places and for certain lengths of travel um, so that we can kind of help them gauge their expectations. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, they're renting out of, uh, you know, their own free will. And uh, if the worst case scenario is they go away and they didn't rent their place out, it's not like they paid anything to do it. So it'd be the normal vacation they would have had. And the best case scenario is we help them pay for their flights, their hotel, and, you know, some of the meals that they have while they go away. Do you have any requirements of the type of properties that you'll list or will you take any property? The only uh, requirement that we have is it needs to be a full home reservation. So we won't take like a room in a three bedroom home. But mm -hmm. other than that, uh, you know, we'll really take any property. 
Is that operationally because it's easier? Um, it's operationally easier. You're not dealing with all the unforeseen variables of putting people together in a home that you haven't pre-vetted. Mm-hmm. Um, and we drive greater returns for our hosts when we get the entire property. Interesting. So essentially you um, have to live on top of an existing site, right? Um, I've always been curious about that because this is like, what's your, what's the competitive landscape for that? Is it, um, are there other people who are doing this? Cause I've, I've heard of a couple that are, but they sound a little bit different than what you have. There are, um, a number of companies that will do just the pricing algorithms. Mm. There are obviously cleaning companies, you know, they've been around forever. We certainly did not invent cleaning uh, for homes in New York city. Um, we are one of the only full service um, so in like our 25%, that includes the cleaning fee. So we're not, you know, nickel and diming every single, uh, you know, way for our hosts to be able to make money off the reservation. That includes we provide towels and linens and uh, bed sheets so that they're not the ones responsible for doing the laundry and prepping the home. Um, so a lot of sites do like kind of like a la carte charging. Um, and very few companies actually have their own platform that lets people log in, select the dates that connects directly to their Airbnb account. What type of linens are you using? <laughs> <laughs> I can't be plugging other people's uh, companies, but uh, they're good quality. We haven't gotten any complaints on the softness or the uh, quality. Uh, linens, of the linens are of the highest well, I'm quality. I'm just wondering. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dude, I went to uh, Central Park. It was beautiful here in uh, New York last Sunday. I went over to like Sheep's Meadow Bay, and uh, my wife takes out, you know, the sheet to like put down. It just rained just like for like 15 minutes before we got there, and she takes out this like thousand plus count sheets to like lay out they're brand new i'm like what the f dude <laughs> like why and were they why? white so you had some nice good like grass stains on them too. yeah oh yeah they're, they're a wreck they're done she's like well you don't like flat sheets i'm like oh, <laughs> doesn't mean i want them in the park yeah yeah for real so what is um what is like a typical host look like in like in that's using your platform right now because sure yeah um i would say you know on average they're between like 24 and 35 um, either single or newly married, um, living typically like in one and two bedroom homes, um, who travel a lot for work or just like to vacation a lot. Those are the people that we serve the most. Interesting. And, but you're mostly based in New York. Um, does apartments like that means the whole property to you, right? It's not like it needs to be like an entire building. Correct. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> just single apartments. So we have apartments, we have, you know, lofts, we have townhouses. The first thing that I thought of when you talked about the your company is that Airbnb is such a risky business in a lot of ways in New York already. There's a lot of issues surrounding its legality and, you know, you can only rent if you own it. And, and, and there's just so many issues with Airbnb. And so how do you kind of approach that? Do you think about it? Do you worry about it? Do you not take certain listings because maybe they're not legal? Sure. So that's actually a really good question. It's one of the ones that we get the most often. Yeah, um, not to out you like with illegal no, activity. No, no, these are great questions. It's relevant, and, especially in New York. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and we get these questions from our hosts all the time, um, you know, because they're curious about their own listing. You know, obviously the regulation landscape right now is very fuzzy. Even people that work at Airbnb and people that work for the city's office of regulation aren't exactly sure uh, what counts and what doesn't as legal. Um, the people that authored the bill referred to it as jaywalking, and that just kind of adds that many more questions. Like, well, jaywalking is technically legal, but I've never seen somebody get a jaywalking ticket either. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, we we are as a company very in favor of regulation. Um, even if they said to, you know, us and other managers in the city, you know, we're going to cap the number of nights rented at 100, you know, per property and we're going to make people pay a $500 registration fee and fill out forms online. You know, we might lose some clients because of that, 
But I'm all for that. All that says that the city is in favor of it and is creating rules around it. And I think that, you know, especially for a startup, any sort of uh, situation that you can get in where the larger forces that actually drive your economy and that approve of it are creating regulations around it. I see that as kind of like a two thumbs up, not a... Mm, it's validating. Yeah, it's, it's, that's exactly what it is. It's validating. Um, so we're in favor of regulation. And one of the exciting things about building a company in this marketplace where we can call it semi-regulated or semi-unregulated or you know legally hazy, um, it's a great place to build a business because then you can get your feet under you and then make the necessary adjustments once people kind of decide uh, where to take it from there. All right, I think this is a perfect time to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go a deeper dive with Matt Lerner, the CEO and founder of Metro Butler. Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. And I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable, and so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Welcome back to Travel Is Your Business. And of course, we're talking here with the CEO and founder of Metro Butler, uh, Mr. Matthew Lerner. So let me lead with this. We ended the first segment with uh, talking about New York City, and I'm wondering what the expansion plan is. Are you available in other cities, and if so, where? So uh, right now, we're only publicly advertising our services in New York City. We have pilot programs going on in four other U.S. cities and two international cities. It takes a lot of time to kind of operationally figure out uh, some of the quirks of other markets. Um, mm -hmm. So we are servicing some properties outside of New York. But uh, I would say the vast majority of the properties that we're serving are here in New York City. Outside of New York City, but nearby? Like, which cities are you looking no, at No, we're looking at a couple of northeast cities, um, two in the southwest, one on the west coast, and then two far east Pacific region. So how is it? how does expansion look like into those cities? Is it like a more of a manual process? So are you kind of figuring out some people on the ground that can work on it? Yeah, uh, it's more the second. So we've had a lot of interest from property managers and kind of scrappy upstarters in these places that 
keep on pinging us and saying, listen, like we have nothing like this where we are. Please, can I be a GM or can I license your software? You know, can I do work for you? And, you know, you guys be like mentors and kind of show me the way to do it. Um, so we love those opportunities and mm-hmm. we're using that to validate and test the markets in those places. What kind of software do you use? So we built our platform entirely from the ground up. Um, it's custom built. Uh, it's uh, everything from a back end that we manage so we can look at all of our properties from a single screen, all the check-ins and check-outs on a giant schedule um, to each individual host's information, you know, the where their address is and the, their booking history and all their statistics. Um, and then on the front end, it's for the host to be able to log in, um, select the days that they're going to be traveling, make any edits to their profile that is necessary. Hmm. And what is it like, not to be like always like, well, marketing, let's talk about marketing. But um, what does lead gen for this look like? Because, you know, there's there's all these different sites that you're probably pulling from, right? Um, are you going out to these hosts or how's that, how's that work? So in our first year of operation, almost entirely 100% of our new clients have been inbound, um, which is great because it's obviously been helping the business grow. Um, we spent our first year doing two things mainly, uh, building our platform, which took a number of months to do correctly. Um, and the second area was operationally figuring out what's the best way to do this cheaper, faster, more effective. Um, so, you know, our margins in the business went from 48% to 60% just by doing, you know, some small tweaks, but you really need to be in the market and doing it for a while in order to figure out those changes. Um, now, as we're entering year two, this is going to be the time kind of for growth, marketing, um, outbound uh, sales, customer acquisition strategies. Well, h- how are you viewing that? Because that could get very, very sophisticated. And in your sense, there's a actionable time where somebody would use Metro Butler. Do you see that as before they're looking into Airbnb? Uh, is this when they're purchasing a property? When are you getting them the life journey? Like when is your consumer journey? And when are those micro moments that you're trying to attach to? Sure. So we have a number of different types of clients. We have clients that own a property and don't live there and they just want to rent it out because, you know, the way that the housing is regulated, they're able to do that and they rent it out for long periods of time. Are you finding them on like VRBO and things like no, that? No, no, no. I mean, these people come to us, you know, they, mm-hmm. they Google, you know. No, property. but as you go outbound strategy. So I understand that you're getting your inbound and you're, you know, you're, you're basically built your platform now sure. and you're ready to start a new kind of marketing trend or strategy. Yep. So there's going to be different customer acquisition strategies for all different types of customers. So mm-hmm. the types of people mm-hmm. that are, you know, homeowners, you know, you bring up VRBO, you know, that's just one channel out of many, you know, where you can attract uh, homeowners, you know, obviously real estate brokers and you know, people that work in the traditional real estate industry um, are another channel that you can go to. Um, for the average consultants, people that travel a lot for work, uh, we have a number of different customer acquisition strategies from the ground up. You know, looking through different uh, social media networks, looking through different uh, employer websites um, to help get people who travel a lot for work signed up. Um, and then we also have people that just enjoy traveling, you know, the couple of times a year. And we're building out things such as SEO, referral mm-hmm. programs, um, and all the things to kind of attract somebody to kind of just help them pay for their plane tickets. Yeah. So how does that relate to like um, other competitors, though? Because like there's a couple in, in New York, like um, Cityami. Is um, it's it's different than what you've described, but like they have a concierge service in terms of like they'll do the key exchange and everything. So how how is it that you're coming out on top on that? Is it just like referrals on this now, or is it is it mostly coming through organic? Sure. So the first area is on the customer acquisition strategy, and I can't get too much into the special sauce that makes us a little different, but we are acquiring customers different than they are. Mm. Um, And the second thing is the platform that we built. Um, So our competitors in New York City, they're licensing white label uh, calendars or just doing everything via phone and email. 
Uh, we actually built an entire sophisticated network to manage thousands of properties at a time. Interesting. I covered the kind of ecosystem that had come out of Airbnb, but maybe it was three years ago. And at the time there was 20, 30 companies. Do you ever feel like you're coming into the market late? And so then you're able to differentiate because there's, this is already a proven model. Or do you feel like this is still a growing trend? People are hungrier than ever to rent out their places. There's still a lot of growth ahead. Yeah, I think there's a lot of growth ahead. People are traveling more and renting out their homes more than ever before. So like when we started, there were 12,000 listings in New York State on Airbnb, and now there's over 30,000. Uh, so there's just more customers. And so our focus isn't only on taking a larger slice of the pie. The pie itself is growing bigger. So the opportunity keeps on getting bigger and bigger. Um, it's a fragmented market. Um, a lot of markets start out this way where you have a lot of competitors. Um, markets start to consolidate over time with people who do it better. And we are betting on ourselves to do it better. Yeah. So how, how do you defend against, um, you know, like a handy of the world, right? Where they perform a lot of uh, services in home or what a, whether it's cleaning this, that, or the other thing. How do you defend against their maybe pivot or wanting to pivot into more of a concentrated effort in your space? Sure. Um, so for a company like Handy, we actually used Handy very early on when we were kind of growth hacking and figuring out a way to grow the company. Yeah. Um, we didn't have the staff to go out there and hire cleaners and key exchangers on our own. Um, so we used them at the beginning. As we got a little more sophisticated as a business, we started hiring our own people to do it. Um, Handy right now, uh, their focus is really on doing the sort of like odd jobs of you know apartment maintenance and much mm -hmm. less on the concierge home management side. Um, so they're not doing price fixing. They're not doing 24-hour communication services. They're not doing, uh, you know, like things that are specific to the Airbnb marketplace. Um, listen, at the end of the day, anybody can get into these sorts of businesses, but they're going to need to build out an entire platform to do so. And they're going to need to learn very different operational challenges to do it. So that's kind of the barrier for entry for a company like Handy to go wait, in. Wait, this might be uh, – let's take a quick step back. Is uh – is Metro Butler an app? Like what's the, the customer facing? What's the interface? It's a web-based app. So okay. they're not downloading, you know, a native app for their phone. Um, they're logging into a portal on a website and managing their profile that way. So as a guest of a property that's being managed by Metro Butler, I have an interface with your team directly. So any questions... Um, suggestions on going out, things like that. Are you also doing that stuff? Or yeah. So if you're a, so if you're a guest on Airbnb and you you know place an inquiry on a property, hey, I'd like to stay here for the following dates. Um, your responses are going to be coming from the Metro Butler team, and we log mm -hmm. off that way. So you'll say like, hey, like thanks for checking in. Yes, we can offer you like a two percent discount on your upcoming stay. Let us know if you have any other questions. Dash at Matt at Metro Butler. So people know that they're talking to a, a service. Um, mm -hmm. And in the property listing itself, we also plug ourselves a little bit saying, you know, my property's so great. You know, it's near this subway and it's near these sites. And it's also managed by an awesome uh, property service that can help you with, you know, your reservation, can help you with cleaning the place and, you know, that sort of thing. Good idea. I think Airbnb still has a lot of growth in terms of, you know, they introduce tours. Do you ever fear that they're going to create their own service, their own concierge service that will help hosts do this if they don't want to? Um, I don't think Airbnb wants to get into that uh, realm for two reasons. The first, uh, they've got a pretty awesome uh, set of margins on what they're doing because they're just a marketplace and then they're taking a couple points off the mm -hmm. top for every reservation. So right mm -hmm. now, like, you know, their margins are 100%. They just offer a place for people to rent homes and they take some percentage off the booking. The second they start getting into paying for cleanings, paying for key exchanges, lost items, broke, broken items, different amounts of insurance, 
their margins change dramatically. Second thing is they're pretty agnostic right now between the host and the guest, and they serve both. They give a platform for the host to be able to list their home and make money, and they give a great exchange for the guest to find properties. If they put themselves in the position that we do, and we make you know kind of no uh, f- blurred lines between who we're serving, our client is the host. It's their property. We're trying to make them money. We're trying to do well by them. The guest is going to get all these great ancillary benefits by staying in a home because it's going to be cleaner. It's going to have like toiletries and fresh sheets and uh, a staff on call for them. But they're not the client. They're just going to be the beneficiary of these Mm. services. Airbnb is going to be in a kind of unenviable position of having to choose in a case between a guest and a host having a disagreement. I thought this place would be cleaner. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, it's like the liability. So much more liability. And they want to be agnostic. They just want to be like, hey, here's a great platform. You guys interact with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think that Airbnb has much of a financial reason nor a logistical reason to pick sides. Well, if you look at like, um, you know, in a different sector like Uber, right, or like other like ride-sharing apps, they're essentially just distribution networks, right? They're just marketplaces in its own right, like a car and a, and a driver. Um, but, you know, Uber did start expanding into, you know, self-driving cars. The um, They bought auto, and that's like trucks. So it'd be interesting. You want to keep your finger on their, what they're doing and, and see about, you know, some kind of other opportunity around it. But what is a, what, how, how do you currently deal with the liability? Like, is there uh, insurance policies that you have in place? Um, yeah, so Airbnb places a $1 million insurance prop, uh, policy on its properties. Um, on top of that, we have general liability, third-party vendor insurance, uh, errors and omissions insurance, officers insurance. So we, we that's honestly one of the biggest expenses for us as a business. Uh, we take the property security extremely seriously, um, and it's one of our big selling points to adding new hosts. I'm curious to learn more about the operations. Are you hiring people to go to the apartments and clean them? I know we talked about Handy before, and they had some issues in terms of contracting, having free con. What is it? Freelance contractors. Yeah. Um, Those 1099s. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that the workers weren't protected by the company. How do you do everything operationally? How does it run? Sure. So. Luckily uh, for us, my partner um, is a lawyer. Uh, he actually teaches entrepreneurial law at Fordham. Um, so all of our contracts are done the correct way. Um, I don't want to give too much of a uh, a heads up to our competitors for how they're supposed to be kind of formulating their contracts with their employees. But uh, it is one of the areas where we've uh, been very careful to make sure that uh, everybody is taken care of the correct way. And so you have a team of five people kind of doing the strategy. Is that right? How many people do you have out in the street, actually. Yeah, we have about, about 20 to 25, you know, what we call them butlers. Um, they like the name, like they, they walk around the little uh, t-shirts, the little bow ties on them. So they're all about it. But uh, that's kind of how we refer to our team as butlers. That's awesome. <laughs> can I get a bow tie? You, you can get a t-shirt, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can get a whole shirt. <laughs> are they real bow ties or clip-ons? They're, they are drawn upon the t-shirt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Do they have to wear it to work? No, they do not. <laughs> I, guess, I guess going on that same thread, how are... How are you making sure or keeping people at ease that are using um, your service uh, that there will not, not be any incidents of privacy or any of that nature? Sure. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, renting out your home is a very personal experience and you need to be comfortable with having a stranger in your home, using your bed um, and staying in your property. Um, one thing that we do um, that's different from a lot of our competitors is every time that we send one of our butlers into the home to do the cleaning before the guests arrive, 
Uh, they photograph every single room, every single piece of furniture, the large piece of electronic equipment, kitchen's bathroom the you know really the whole nine for every single guest before that every single uh, pre-property and then when they go to do the checkout they do it again and it's all time stamped and it's uploaded to our app um for the back end so that when we get the occasional hey like i got back to my place and there was like a nick on my table buy me a new table for you know three thousand dollars um, we send them the pictures to be like, hey, like, you know, sorry, you didn't notice the Nick before. Here's a picture before the guests arrived while you're still in the home that we took the day that uh, you left. And now here's a picture of that same Nick in the same spot after the guest. And people are very like receptive to that. Like, wow, thank you so much for, you know, taking kind of the extra leap to do that. Um, it puts people's minds at ease, um, plus our insurance policy on top of that. Um, and then when there are incidences when something happened, you know, that's that's when we cover Your it. insurance policy must be so damn complicated. <laughs> luckily, I <laughs> luckily I have a, a good friend in insurance who did a lot of the work for us, so I didn't have Hopefully to. Hopefully he's uh, intelligent and he's got it right. He is. He's, <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be a lot of variables at play over here. There are a lot of variables, but we do, uh, you know, everything that we can on our side to make sure that the proverbial T's are crossed and I's dotted. Do you do any consulting for your clients in terms of best practices for safety? safety and things like that. So like, for instance, um, if you don't have smart locks, how are you preventing people or guests from copying your keys and, you know, maybe wanting to intrude later on? Sure. Um, so we don't use smart locks. We use, um, regular, you know, keys. We do have a number of properties that do have, uh, fobs. Um, those are obviously a lot harder to replicate. Um, and you know, the buildings will have, you know, electronic key cards and that sort of thing, um, which you can't replicate, uh, for our, uh, key exchanges, especially ones that take place in the middle of the night, like somebody arrives at like a four o'clock in the morning flight. Um, we do lock boxes um, outside the buildings um, and we deliver the passwords for those lock boxes uh, via the messaging app on Airbnb. So when the guest gets there, they know how to get into the apartment. Oh, so you're working with Airbnb through for, for the messaging portions? Yeah. I mean, all of our communication will take place through uh, the booking engine, um, in this case, Airbnb. Um, but you know, we're not a, a licensed partner of theirs. They know that mm -hmm. we exist. We talk to them multiple times a day because we're always dealing with, you know, like different things in a property and you know, late cancellation and that kind of stuff. So they know about us and we are talking to them probably three, four times a day. So Air, how does Airbnb, I mean, at least from your standpoint, feel about other people managing properties this way? Yeah, I mean, they even have a feature on Airbnb that says that you can list somebody else as a third oh. party to manage your property. Oh, so yeah. they, they, so they they're into it. <laughs> yeah, make it easy for us. And this way, when we call them and we say, hey, it's Matt from Metro Butler calling about this property, they're not like, wait, what do you mean? Because they can look on the account and say, oh, you're actually listed as a co-host for the property. That's great. Do you have any statistics that show that when you start working with a host that they're rentals improve, that they're having more rentals, that they're earning mm. more money, that people are staying for longer, they can charge more because the experience is better. Yeah, absolutely. So our average host, uh, the length of reservation is a little over six nights. Um, our typical host comes back to us 11 times per year to relist their property and get it booked again. Um, and we make them somewhere between $7,000 and $11,000 a year um, on their rentals on average. Um, we, I, we have properties where you know we've turned a lot more than that, but, you know, uh, site-wide on average, you know, we're, we're making people real money. Um, we're getting their places rented effectively and quickly, um, and without the headache of having to do it themselves. Um, so I think our, you know, our customer satisfaction rate, we're a little over 95%. We've only lost a couple customers due to, I'm not happy with the service. Um, and listen, at the end of the day, like that's probably somebody who shouldn't have been renting out their home in the first place. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but we've had very high customer retention mm-hmm. um, and a lot of repeat visits uh, for our hosts to come back and relist. Do you stay away from shorter term rentals, like a one night or two night, because of just margins aren't there? Yeah, so we won't do one night. Um, okay. Unless, where where do you start? You do a two night though? Yeah, we'll we'll do two night stays. Um, mm. Again, like everything is kind of variable. Of course, we would do a one night stay in a townhouse for twenty five thousand dollars. There's no reason not to. Um, mm. But I would say that the average apartment, studio one, two bedrooms for a single night makes it a little hard for us to, you know, kind of have our interests align with the customer. So two nights are typically the average. We have done some one nights for really nice properties here and there. But again, like most people, if they're only staying in the city for a night, they'd rather just get a hotel. If it's just going to be a night, um, people who use Airbnb, they want it for two reasons. They want like the feel of being in a home, the access to a kitchen and all those, uh, you know, sorts of like added benefits. Um, and they want to not pay for exorbitant New York City hotel prices, especially the families. You know, if you're a family of six and you've had to get two or three hotel rooms or you can get one nice two or three bedroom apartment, the the mm. latter's gonna be way more affordable. So for for the hosts, are they usually people who have are your customers, are they usually people who are already on Airbnb or some other platform? Uh, or do they usually come to you first and then end up uh, it's usually the second scenario. So oh, somebody who's on Airbnb, managing their own property, doing all the price listings and guest communication, they've probably gotten pretty good at it and they probably enjoy it. Um, it certainly is not for everybody just as far as time and knowledge goes to do it well. Um, so more often than not, somebody says, hey, like, can you do this for me because I don't have the time or the interest to learn how or I just don't want to do it. Um, so I'd say more of our customers are coming to us um, by way of, hey, like, can you help me do this because I want to, but... I can't. What added complexities arise when you're listing a townhouse that costs $10 million plus? Yeah. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, as the properties get bigger and you add more bedrooms and you add stairs, um, it's just, it's really more work for our butlers that are in the field. You know, they're carrying that many more linens and pillowcases. They're spending that much more time on the cleaning. Um, those things are all built into the margin. We end up making that back because if we're setting, you know, four times the amount of laundry out for a place. We're probably also making a lot more in revenue because if there's four bedrooms, it's probably running more than a studio. Um, So I'd say the biggest differences are on the actual operational cleaning and turnovers and much less on the corporate side in our office. What's the most ridiculous property in your (laughs) (laughs) thoughts that that you you guys have serviced? Uh, We we have one property... my my personal favorite that like that I saw, you know, this is very early on when we were first adding uh, property. So I was actually one of the people that was going out to do the photography and going out mm-hmm. to do like the initial consultations. You know, we have like a team of people that do that. Uh, but this was in our earlier days. Um, the person lived a very, very, very cool bachelor lifestyle. He had a really nice card table. He had a beautiful uh, rooftop. He had like literally a professional kitchen, like stainless steel, everything so that you could have like dinner was parties. Was it used? Was the apartment used? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was definitely no, well, like the kitchen, ag- <laughs> not the apartment, really the kitchen. The kitchen was used. It, it okay, appeared good. as if cooking had gone that. down in there. You know, he had a very nice spice rack of many interesting oh, flavors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it had like a Otherwise, full- what's the point, right? <laughs> yeah. like, it was by uh, private chef. Yeah. yeah, maybe. It, it had like a, it had like a, like a drop down like theater like area. It had like a full like stocked bar. It, it was, it was a cool apartment. I, I definitely had some envy when I was thinking about my little one bedroom and that did not have any of those cool things. The startup life. Yeah, startup yeah. life. 
talking about startup life, where are you in that journey right now? Um, have you gone through rounds of funding? Do you need to? Like, where where are you in that yeah, so spectrum? We did uh, an initial round of funding right when we launched, kind of a friends and family round. And we are currently in the midst of our next round of funding. And what brought you to do this? Did you work in hospitality before? Did you just see an opportunity with the growth of home sharing? Yeah, so it was it was uh, the fact that we saw an opportunity. So this is actually my third company. I was at uh, another startup for about five years before that that I co-founded. Um, and when I saw the opportunity and the tailwinds in the sharing economy, an opportunity for Metro Butler to enter the market um, with Airbnb, um, it was around the same time that I met my co-founder. Um, and we were both talking about the travel industry and he was renting out a couple of his friends' homes. Um, and we were talking about, well, what are the biggest problems and what do people complain about? And is there a way to scale that? So we started, you know, getting on our hands and knees and cleaning toilets and dropping keys at one o'clock in the morning for people getting off international flights. And then we started deciding, okay, well, how much is it going to cost to do the laundry for them too? And yeah. how much is it going to cost to send people out and do it? Cause I don't want to clean toilets Interesting. anymore. Um, you know, it was when, when Airbnb first started, becoming a thing in New York, like people were renting out their rental apartments, right? And and basically taking a three bedroom for two people and then just using that one spare, which has obviously now become highly regulated and I guess quote unquote illegal. But at the time I remember my friend or old colleague of mine um would use the laundromat as his key drop off. So he had this sweet apartment up on the north side of the Central Park, and he would just go to the laundromat and give him $5 every time that he needed to leave it down there for an Airbnb tenant to come in and just take it and then drop it off. So I, it, it's clearly attacking that issue right there totally. also. And there's a company mm-hmm. now called Key Cafe. They're in a lot of 7-Elevens. It's like a oh, little okay. like drawer, and like you get access to it through like a code, mm-hmm. and you pay – a few dollars for every transaction. That's just for the key exchange. You know, obviously that doesn't include the pricing and the cleaning and the guest messaging, but certainly for somebody who just wants somebody to exchange keys, there are options out there for them and it's going to cost them a few bucks per, uh, you know, exchange. So I'm curious, uh, as you grow and scale, how you're viewing um, collaborations. So with other technologies, with uh, hospitality groups, with different platforms, whatever it might be, how are you looking at the ecosystem and seeing where the leverage points are and, you know, what you are using now and what you could use in the future, ideally? Sure. So I think that um, certainly in the travel, but also in the sharing economy, there are a number of different uh, companies that do everything from the messaging to the pricing to direct APIs to Airbnb to change information, you know, uh, from one platform to another. Um, we use kind of like a Frankenstein combination approach where we use a few different uh, ones of those and then also use our own uh, kind of special sauce on top of that um, to get the results that we get and that we're happy with. Um, I think that there's going to be, you know, over time in the next couple of years, a lot more people that enter the space. Um, I'm, the big area that I've seen right now is the whole uh, and you mentioned this earlier, smart locks and remote, you know, locks. So that just somebody IoT, can, yeah. like smart home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. people can just sit like at a desk and just manage from a keyboard 500 homes and let people in yeah. for voice recognition. I mean, yeah. there's, there's very cool areas people are exploring right now, especially with the convergence of the sharing economy with the capabilities of tech. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing investment opportunity for in the right markets. Like there was a case study maybe like two years ago about a, you know, a guy that documented his purchase of a Las Vegas uh, property. And he basically did this when smart locks and smart home and, you know, the, the, the nest was just brand new and he basically monitored everything remotely, uh, for a full year and showed his revenue and, you know, basically paid for the apartment within a year and a half and then 
was making a solid profit off of that thing without ever even stepping foot at the place, just through working with just local cleaners and things like that. Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, how nice would it be if you arrive, you know, to some vacation that you're having in another city? And like, not only can you get in without having to do a key exchange, you can just kind of walk in because there's remote mm-hmm. access, yeah. but like the fridge is filled with the foods that you like because you filled out like a, you know, a, a brand preference before it and you get into the bathroom and that's filled with all like the products that you use at yeah. home and the bed is the sheets that you like. I mean, we can really get into some pretty amazing places. We're talking about how marketplaces are working right now. Um, everybody from, you know, Amazon to smart fridges to driverless cars and, you know, delivery drones. I mean, we can pretty much stock a vacation home to the exact personal preference that you have and make it much more like staying at a private villa than it would be staying well, at When an are you going to start powering like boutique hotels and private villas and things like that that might have 10, 20 rooms or properties? Yeah. So right now that's not on the roadmap immediately just because we're very focused on seems like, like an opportunity though it absolutely is uh right now the economy of scale is much more in the concentration of urban areas because it's a lot easier to travel around and have like a very uh concentrated tight-knit uh group of properties that you can manage as opposed to you know going to mexico and like running three villas that could be 35 miles apart mm-hmm. it's just yeah. not as easy mm-hmm. um but certainly in the well just using your technology platform the software oh itself. yeah and that's the reason why we built so forget about platform. you doing it but just leasing out or licensing out the software that's the reason it's a very interesting thing you bring. it's the reason why we built our own platform is because we wanted the opportunity to have a kind of a SaaS model should we yeah. ever decide to go into that area and just licensing the software to general managers and cities around the world is really no harm to us and they can Mm -hmm. do it under their own name and skin it and white label however they see fit. I think there's an opportunity for bed and breakfast. I just helped open a bed and breakfast in Spain and it was had five bedrooms and I'm pretty much doing everything that you probably have a team of people doing. And so listening to this conversation, I'm like, okay, well, can you come to Spain and help me run this bed and breakfast? And I've heard so many people talk about having bed and breakfast now, obviously being in that space. And the thing that keeps coming up is that it's super stressful and that I think you know, so many like softwares and technologies like we're talking about are focused in urban areas, but there's this whole untapped market and that are obviously harder to get to in these rural locations. But mm-hmm. maybe a way to reach that is with the software. Or uh, an online podcast. I mean, have you guys ever signed a partnership contract on air? Because we could do that right now if, we're, uh, <laughs> if we got an offer. <laughs> Run that through me. Go ahead. What do you yeah. <laughs> we could surely talk about that off mic. <laughs> And one other thing I wanted to ask you about was the travel startup community. I know this is your first uh, startup in the travel space. And I'm just curious kind of how it's been. Have you found a community of other people working either on home sharing? Have you found that it's easy to collaborate? Have you found maybe it's kind of lonely? What's the experience been in in the travel industry? Yeah, I mean, I've met a number of my direct competitors. Um, You know, like you're in like a little fraternity. You know, you Mm -hmm. guys are going through the same problems and you're banging your head against the wall for the same sort of things. Um, it's kind of nice to have people that you can commiserate with. Um, yes, like we're competitors in a business sense, but there's not really many other people out there that can kind of understand what you're going through on a daily basis and a nightly basis, you know, since it's not like we're just working six hours a day, but uh, to chat with and kind of bounce ideas off of. And at the same time, like, you know, rising tide raises all ships. So being able to have people that are doing it correctly and doing it well gives the industry itself a good name, makes people that much more trustworthy of you. So I'm certainly rooting for, you know, my competitors to do a good job. If, if they're failing, 
people might start to believe that the industry itself doesn't work and might be less likely to use me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I talk to a lot of people in the industry. Are there any resources or leaders that you look to in the industry or, I don't know, tools that maybe have you've discovered while working in this industry? Um, you just found out about Voyager, so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> great plug, John. Well, <laughs> we, can ta- we can certainly talk about that because yeah. I was walking through the offices over here and they're really nice. They're nicer than <laughs> our current offices, so I think offline we're going to need to chat about uh, what your guys' rates are because I like this space here a lot. <laughs> well, it's got plant life everywhere. I love it. I have zero. It's, it's really cozy in here. Yeah, I've got Lots zero foliage in my current Lots of situation. Oxygen. No, I didn't pay anybody in this circle to say any of that, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we surely appreciate it here. We've been uh, actually, so my team has been working here for several months now, probably like six months. When yeah. you guys were still not even open yet, And right? you saw this place when it was like, you know. Yeah, it's come a long nothing. way. I mean, it really, like every month over month gets cozier and cozier. So Thanks, anyway, whatever. Great plug. Good but, job, John. Uh, <laughs> to, to finish your 10 question. 10 bucks. You're, you're paying for lunch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to finish what you were saying, is there, are there people that you look up to or, um, you know, would like to meet? that would be a good resource for you in Metro Butler? Sure. I, I think one great resource have been the people over at One Fine Stay. Um, they mm-hmm. have a slightly different model. Um, they actually have a lot of their own property inventory um, that they run, um, and they're backed by Accor Hotels. So they've taken definitely like a more uh, hands-on luxury and like proprietary ownership approach to what we do. Um, that's not an industry that we're going to be getting into, but they've been a really just like very interesting resource. I've had some great conversations with people over there, just like bouncing ideas and storytelling. And I've gone to their offices a few times. Um, so I, I really do enjoy kind of their, uh, their leadership in the space. I think that they started the same as Metro Butler though, which was kind of providing all of the tools and necessary for guests, but maybe just like the sheets and the, um, toiletries. Originally, uh, they still do that and, but they're getting much more into like higher level property management where they actually have their own properties uh, a lot of the time. Great. Well, there's a perfect time to end this segment. Uh, So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to go off the beaten path with Matt Lerner. And that's of course, uh, when we ask questions uh, a little bit more personal about your personal journey. So when we come back more with us with Matt Lerner of Metro Butler. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. To explore opportunities to partner, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. And now, on with the show. All right, welcome back to Travel Is Your Business, everyone. It is time for personal questions with Matthew Lerner, founder and CEO of Metro Butler. It's Off the Beaten Path, um, where we ask personal questions with a travel theme. Um, Of course, we ask it randomly, and we decide the order of who asks the questions with announcements from our favorite airline personnel. So it looks like our first question goes to... Ladies and gentlemen, would passenger John Matson please report to gate 23A? John. 
What? I got one. Yeah, got so one. that's good. Um, <laughs> what is the best Airbnb you've ever stayed in? Um, I stayed in a really, really good Airbnb in New Orleans uh, for a bachelor party. We had really like the best situation. It was like eight bedrooms in this huge townhouse um, uptown, uh, like in the Garden District. We had a good time there. Um, I don't know if the owner was too pleased with us when he got back, but <laughs> we really enjoyed ourselves there. I am going again to New Orleans uh, in two weeks for Jazz Fest. It's a city I mm-hmm. kind of keep oh, on finding awesome. myself going back to. Oh, nice. Yeah, those How big often do you go back days. to New Orleans? I try to go once a year if I can. Really? Yeah, it's wow. uh, it's just the bet, the music, the food. You can drink in the street. Fried vegetables. Just yeah, there's not <laughs> there's not any vegetables. There's a lot of fried. It's, I, don't no, I, I, I was there. dying for vegetables when I was there, and. Yeah. Everything, even the vegetables, were fried. Yeah, just like deep fried cream, <laughs> like, yeah, just deep fried heavy cream everywhere. <laughs> What's your favorite salad? thing to eat down there? Down in New Orleans, mm-hmm. uh, the seafood, like any of the oysters, sure. the goldfish, that kind of stuff, grilled, blackened, raw. Favorite restaurant down there? Let's just go with New Orleans real quick. You're gonna go a whole New Orleans theme, real quick. <laughs> I mean, this isn't really my question, but I'm I'm curious. Um, I really, really like K. Paul. I've been there several mm-hmm. times. Um, I, that would probably be my my pick. I'm going to Clancy's when I go down there this time because it's been on my list for a while and I haven't gotten over there. And then Acme for lunch, raw char grilled yeah, oysters. Yeah. Uh, I keep on the char grilled. Char grilled is where it's at. Do you enjoy like the downtown, the uptown, or like French uh, Magazine Street? Like where I like mixing it up. I mean, you know, Bourbon's disgusting, but there there will always be a night spent there. Right. Um, I love going to Frenchman Street and seeing the live music. Mm-hmm. Um, uptown, you know, the Garden District is really nice too. And uh, when I go this go time, go check out Eli Manning's house. Yeah, hang out with or, Eli or Archie Manning's house for yeah, that. Get, get, get some free memorabilia from him. That's right. Um, but uh, for Jazz Fest, I mean, I'm going to be at the fairgrounds during the day. That's by cool. the racetrack, so I'll be over there. Nice. And let's see who's next, Mister Announcer. Attention, would passenger Samantha Shankman report to the ticket booth? Thank you. All right, looks like it's Sam. New York's an amazing city to start a company, but if you had to start a company in another city and be based in somewhere that's not New York, where would you pick? That's a really good question. Um, I studied abroad in Barcelona. I fell in love with that city. I'd certainly look for an excuse to find my way back there if I could. So, And you were talking about starting in Spain, so this might actually work out. Yeah, I live there, so you should come visit. Okay, we'll do but, it. Like currently lives there, which is wild. So oh, she you came currently back. live <laughs> yeah. in Barcelona? Yeah. Where, where are you? Uh, right in front of Sants Station. Okay. I used to live directly off Diagonal, so I was like right in the heart of uh, that area. How long were you out there for? Uh, eight months. Wow. That's a long time. Did you um, ride a motorbike while you were there? I, no. I almost got hit by a bunch, but mm. I did not ride one myself. All right, fantastic. And our last question... Passenger Puffin Ball, please press your call button for the flight attendant. Of course it comes to me. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering, um, going back to childhood, the first travel experience that you've had, whether it's a drive, a flight, whatever it is, that opened up all possibilities for you. Wow, that's a pretty heavy one. Um I think I will say, I don't know if this is what opened up all possibilities, but it's the one that kind of popped into my head. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember sitting in the back of my car with my parents, sitting next to my two brothers, 
and we went to uh we were in california and we were doing like the whole coastal drive 17 mile drive and hitting like all the cities down like the you know 17 17 mile drive i think it's between like uh monterey and carmel maybe Mm -hmm. there's like a stretch of like highway along the pch where like you're driving like through just like the cliffs into the pacific Mm -hmm. and you see all like the sea lions and you pass like through big sur like that Mm -hmm. whole area and my geography could be completely off and somebody's gonna need to double check what you remember it's fine (laughs) that's what i remember Mm -hmm. um and i remember like sitting in the back of the car and my two brothers and i we're beating the piss out of each other we're just like bored and antsy and we're in the car for hours and i think that at some point like we had to like pull over and stop and get out and I like remember like looking out and like getting out of the car and like realizing like oh my god like there's a, we're literally like at like the foothills of the Pacific like in the middle of Big Sur there's like sea lines all over and like all I can think about is like beating up like my nine year old brother like <laughs> so, like this might be the moment where you know like, I decide to like you know kind of appreciate the uh, the world of travel and what's going on because uh, I can beat up my brother anywhere like, we'll wait until I get back to New York City <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. why do I need to do this in California let's appreciate being exactly. out here in this exactly. moment right now like, I have a whole lifetime to beat up my two brothers like why do I need to do this in California. <laughs> well, that Punching is a perfect way to end it. That's excellent. Well, I want to uh, give you an opportunity to just kind of reflect on whether it's this um, this interview or your journey as an entrepreneur or whatever it might be um, to give the audience just a final thought. Sure. I think that uh, I think that travel is very important. I think that, you know, people like looking at it sometimes in a frivolous way. Like, I just want to, like, check off you know, items on my bucket list. I just want to take the Instagram. I just want to try a food that everybody said was really good. Um, I think that travel is very much about sharing experiences and sharing culture. Um, and I'm I'm pretty proud that the company that we've started is one that makes it easier for people to experience New York City in a different way and hopefully experience the world in a different way because obviously our idea is to uh, grow as big as possible and be in as many different places as possible. Um, so I, I mean, I'm definitely appreciative that you guys had me today to talk about it. I mm-hmm. certainly hope that people... Uh, start using Metro Butler even more than they already are. Give us their apartments so we can rent it out for them. They can make money and then they can go to different places and stay in an Airbnb somewhere else and experience those places too. Great. Good deal. And what is the best way for uh, people to connect with you or what you're doing over at Metro Butler? Sure. You can go to www.metrobutler.com. You can learn all about our company and the services that we provide. Um, You can certainly email me at matt at metrobutler.com, M-A-T-T, and uh, I will absolutely respond if anybody's listening to this podcast and then wants to reach out directly. Awesome. Well, that's it for this episode of Travel Is Your Business. Um, Thank you to Matt Lerner, of course, the founder and CEO of Metro Butler for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right. And uh, for Sam. Safe travels. And for John. See you next time. And I'm Pavan Ball, and uh, we hope you enjoyed your stay. We will see you next time. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.